When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is February 14th, 2018. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, and this is the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. Talking SmackDown Live and a little Mixed Match Challenge today. With me, as always, Mr. Raj Geary from Wrestling Inc. And, Raj, we have a special guest today. Yeah, we'd like to introduce uh, Ashley White. Ashley, how are you? Hey, guys. How are you? Fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show. So, Ashley is a huge WWE fan, self-proclaimed Paul Heyman girl, TV personality from Bravo's Princesses of Long Island, and she is also part of the Lupus Research Alliance Young Leaders Board, as well as the American Heart Association, and on the committee for the Heart and Stroke Ball. Ashley, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, and I just have to point out, I am wearing my Paul Heyman girl t-shirt. Fantastic. Yes. So, uh, we're going to talk about SmackDown Live today. Ashley, which brand do you prefer in the WWE? So you're a WWE super fan. You, each week, do you find yourself looking forward to Monday or Tuesday more? I have to say Monday night. I have to say Monday night. However, I love the women's roster on Tuesday it's fantastic. I mean, you've got Becky, you've got Charlotte, you've got Naomi, you've got the Riot Squad, Carmella, Natalia, Tamina, Lana. Uh, it's funny. I don't know, Raj. By the way, Raj, year and a half of doing this podcast, Raj fa- fa- finally follows me on Twitter last night. Um, <laughs> so on Twitter last night. You know, night, I, I realized Barack Obama's following you. I, yeah. I he, he follows a bunch of people. But, he follows a bunch of people. Yeah. Yes. Um, he doesn't follow me. I know. Me neither. Come on. Yeah. Man. Um, but last night I was getting into it on Twitter because once again on SmackDown, one women's segment, and what do they announce for next week? A six woman tag match, which we were talking about this. It's gotta be 80% of matches on SmackDown live involving the women have had four or more women in the same segment. So Ashley, let me ask you this as a fan. Does it frustrate you when you see Monday night raw this week, three women's segments last week, five women's segments and on SmackDown, It's all the women on TV at the same time, no individual storylines. Yes, I was actually going to, hoping you brought that up, or I was going to bring that up. Last night, there was one match, and they were all together. However, if they're going to do it, I was happy it was Charlotte. Mm. But it's very frustrating. You know, you're having this big movement You know, we're having, we went from divas to now we're having an elimination chamber match. Like, there should not be just one match. There should not be all the women, like, having that one match and then no more matches. Like, that should not be anymore. I agree. They wouldn't, they wouldn't throw Ronda Rousey in with, you know, five other women in a, in a segment, you know. And I think, or Brock Lesnar, uh, I think. Charlotte Flair, you know, a lot of these women, Naomi, they're super talented. They should have their own individual storylines. And I, I wish they'd start doing that more on SmackDown. You're starting to see that more on Raw. Um, you know, I think the 
you know, the Bailey Sasha Banks match was awesome on, on raw this past Monday night and doing more, uh, Things like that, I think, will really make uh, this w- women's revolution feel even that much more special. You're right. It's it's right now. It's about respect. There's a respect factor. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a big part of the problem is that they clearly see Charlotte as a star on SmackDown, but it's just it's so built around her. Um, that Naomi and Becky are treated like Charlotte's backing band, you know, just there in her corner last night. And I was looking online. I mean, so Road Dog, who he's a producer on SmackDown Live. He's gotten a lot of credit or I guess shared credit um, with, oh, what's his face? That uh, Ryan Ward. Yeah. Uh, shared credit for SmackDown and the reemergence of it since the brand split. And if you look at SmackDown truly being the land of opportunity, not just something that they say, I mean, Alexa went from an NXT also ran to a superstar, a champion on SmackDown Live. Naomi went from a former Funkadactyl to a women's champion on SmackDown Live. They've built up women on that show consistently. And since Charlotte's come over, it was Charlotte and Friends versus the Welcoming Committee. Now it's Charlotte and Friends versus the Riot Squad. I think they perceive Carmella as having a storyline with Money in the Bank, even though we only check in with her periodically. And I loved her almost cash in a few weeks ago. But it's crazy to me that... You know, they're not walking their own talk about this women's revolution or women's evolution if it's just, okay, uh, Raj, I mean, you said it best, man. It's it's just like the situation was in the Divas era. They're just getting longer matches. Yeah, I just I just feel like they're not getting the individualized storylines and the big storylines that uh, – and and they know how to do it. They'll be doing it for Ronda. Um, yeah. So it's clear they know how to do it. Um, yeah, I just wish they would uh, – focus more on the storylines of feuds and the characters. Cause I, you know, and I think they're doing it better on raw. I feel like Charlotte has actually fallen down a few steps since she moved from raw to SmackDown. I felt like she was a bigger star on raw. Her and Sasha had that great feud and, you know, they headlined the pay-per-view. Um, and now she's just kind of thrown in with everyone else every week. So I, I, you know, but yeah, let's get into the rest of the show and we'll, we'll yeah, get absolutely. back to that when that, when that comes up. And, and that's part of it. So I say this, as the biggest Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens mark on earth. But last night was too much Sami and Kevin. <laughs> like, they've overtaken the show, and not in, a, not in the best way. Um, so, it was supposed to open last night with Dolph Ziggler versus Baron Corbin. But, lo and behold, Dolph Ziggler comes out to the ring, and then Sami and Kevin are beating down Baron backstage, setting up matches for later in the night where Kevin and Sami would face them individually. If they uh, each won their match, Dolph and Baron, they would go on to be added to what is now a fatal five-way at Fastlane. Um, so, Ashley, I know we, yeah. we talked a little about the show. You're a big Dolph Ziggler fan. Yes. With the the way he left and the way he came back, the, the storyline, what did you think of that? Well, to be honest, I mean, with the whole the start of the show last night, I I really liked it. I thought it was so unexpected that – you know, um, we thought we were going to get this match and we were hoping for, and then this twist came along and it showed Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in a completely different, different light. So I was really, I, I enjoyed that part of it. And I liked that we got to see, you know, you know, Ziggler at first talking, you know, seeing more of his passion and then him fight later in the night. But we saw like, I felt like the show 
gave him, really showcased his passion for it, like why he came back. Yeah, my my, my issue with... I guess I've been watching this for too long too, but my issue with this segment is once they did the attack and I tweeted this out, you knew, I knew exactly where it's going. Both guys are going to be added to the fascinating main event. And they just kind of did the same storyline on raw where you had this controversial thing where two guys get added to the main event match. And uh, I'm not against both men being added in for sure, but just the way they did it, it just seemed too similar um, to what they did on raw for me. But I understand. I could, I could totally, I could totally see that. And it's funny because I'm I'm the type of fan who it's so great because my perspective also comes from like I get so excited like the did they go off script? Like I just love <laughs> it. I'm so excited and so into it. So, you know, as much as you know what could have happened on I still get like that so excited to see it again on SmackDown, but I, I love when other people have that opinion that it's like, no, it was, it was so easy that I didn't appreciate. (laughs) And I like them giving Dolph some perspective and character with it. Um, Man, it's tough though. I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast a lot, but I mean, the match he did career versus title with the Miz a year and a half ago was so good. And that run was uh, up until the point where he got the championship. I thought the moment he got the championship was so good. Um, with this, you know, I don't know. I don't know how much I like this pivot back to giving him some earnestness as a character, um, given him dropping the title. I mean, seeing him again after seven weeks, granted, he was at the Royal Rumble. Um, he has been doing house shows. I saw him put on a fantastic uh, live event match against Nakamura Saturday in Sacramento. I think uh, him coming back and doing this with Corbin. You know, with Ziggler, I I certainly buy him in the main event. I just don't perceive him as potentially winning this and us getting Ziggler versus Nakamura at WrestleMania. You mean AJ? Uh, I don't see Dolph winning this over AJ. And then um, having Nakamura, Dolph going on to face. Oh, uh, gotcha. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. Gotcha. I just don't see that happening. And um, to your point, Raj, about how great is it sometimes when we have the champ off TV, I like that we didn't see AJ last night. I thought Better keeping him off TV for a week rather than shoehorning in an awkward promo. I loved that. Yeah, I yeah. think when you when you have him on and just doing a, a quick backstage segment, it 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 kind of lessens it as opposed to you keep him off completely, makes it that much more special when when he's on. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that special factor to it. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, that does bring us to the women's match. After the beatdowns, after uh, Daniel Bryan and Shane backstage, do you think they were actually in Bakersfield last night? Or do you think with Shane and Daniel, they just taped that from some remote location? It seems kind of weird that they, uh, yeah, but it doesn't seem weird that they traveled just to do that 90 second segment. And Daniel didn't even say anything. He just stood there, looked defeated. And looked at that all the time, though. How how often do they, how many wrestlers are flown in each week and aren't used on TV? That's true. I mean, yeah. most of the cruiserweights are flown into Raw every week and, and not well, used. That is true, but I don't feel that. I agree, Glenn, with you that they were not there. Not for Shane and Daniel Bryan, that they're not flown in all the time. Yeah, it does seem, it does seem a little convenient how they put those segments. Um, yeah, but also the one thing that we've learned, you know, we've learned is that 
they rewrite these shows on the fly. And so that would require a week's worth of planning if they shot it last week. Um, That's true. And if they didn't do that, they're, you know, they're not going to fly Daniel Bryan and Shane somewhere else to shoot this segment. So yeah, it's either they filmed it last week and they had planned it, which, you know, I mean, we kind of saw where this was going, so it's definitely possible. Yeah. Um, So Sarah Logan versus Charlotte Flair, you know, we talked about this. So they come out, they're going to have a one-on-one match, but Oh no, the riot squad is there. And then you think the riot squad's going to beat down Charlotte. So Charlotte brings her back up. Um, you know, I tweeted this, uh, for the casual viewer tuning in, this looks like Gem and the holograms versus the misfits, very colorful women versus very (laughs) punk looking women, uh, which is good. But afterwards to have Charlotte be like, Oh, one more to go next week. I'm facing Ruby, man. It's just the same, the same thing, the same segment again and again and again. I think, you know, I think there's a way you could do it. And, like, if you made that a bigger deal, that she's going to go through the Riot Squad one by one, like cut a big promo one by one, and have more lead-in into these matches and video promos and things like that. So it makes each of these matches seem special. And have something at the end, like, she, what does she get by beating Ruby Riot? Is it just yeah. revenge for an attack? Or is it, um, you know, something more than that? Make it more personal. And and then it's it's something as opposed to you forget about it as soon as it's over. I was going to say, actually, Raj, it kind of goes back to what you said, that when Charlotte came over to SmackDown, she kind of lost some momentum. They She hasn't really had that much. So I agree with you. They need to give her a reason. You know, last night's match, I feel like for her, was – the most she's had in like a little while. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I can't remember. And, and, and this could be just how it's booked that the matches have been forgetful with not putting much importance to them, but I can't remember the last singles match Charlotte's had in a while on SmackDown. That's what I, I, I can't remember. And I, I really remember Charlotte's match. They're always like, I shouldn't say always because recently, I mean, she needs to be, booked in a better in a better direction yeah Yeah, natalia i think was the last singles match she had when was that it was a while ago probably uh before 2018 and she's the women's champ you know so yeah and ruby look man two uh two or three weeks ago that promo ruby cut i thought was really good giving us a sense of her character and what she's about um if they're building up to ruby versus charlotte why hasn't ruby you know have her uh tear through lana and carmella and then build up to natalia have ruby get those victories to then go on and face charlotte have it mean something uh Mm -hmm. build her up a bit more i just i feel like um they got to do something, you know, and this isn't about, oh, I wish they pushed Becky or Naomi, but look, give us a B women's storyline and just rotate that every other week. Like we said with SmackDown, it's great, actually, that you don't see the same people on TV each week. I mean, God, on Raw, wouldn't it be great if the bar just sat one week out and we didn't see Seamus and Cesaro for just, just one week out of the month? Um, you know, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder and whatnot. So I think uh, they should have a rotating be women's segment where we can see these familiar faces, but at the same time, you know, keep a storyline going. And I think, I think they should split up the riot squad. They just don't mesh. They, their personalities, I think are just too different that it, and it can, you know, you could have those cases where the personalities are different, but it, you have that chemistry. I just don't feel like they have that chemistry. It's just, just no. feels like they're thrown together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're a bizarro world absolution. It's, um, 
It's a great way to put it. Yeah, and, and absolutely. I mean, oh, it's it's frustrating. Um, so okay, we got the first of the Fastlane qualifying matches: Kevin Owens versus Baron Corbin. So, Ashley, what did you think of this match? Um, Baron Corbin versus Kevin Owens. I thought it was really good. I thought Baron Corbin did really. I thought he did really well. Um, I'm a I'm a Baron Corbin fan. I like him. Uh, yeah, I thought I I didn't think anything was so standout. I mean, to me, there wasn't anything. You know, there was a couple moves or where you know were great. Nothing was so. You know, when when they went off, you know, out of the ring and. He was, uh, Kevin Owens went for his ribs, you know, that was a big move, but I just wasn't so impressed. I didn't, there was really nothing I thought was so great. Yeah. I think, I think by design, they didn't keep this match too long because it is heel versus heel. And a lot of times when you got two, you know, two bad guys, the crowd doesn't know how to react and you kind of get a quiet crowd. So, um, so I felt like that's probably why they didn't do too much. It was, yeah, it's like what Ashley said. It was just kind of there, but it was, I mean, it, it moved the story along. Where... Yeah, I feel like if it, if it was longer, maybe they could have formed more chemistry. Mm-hmm. But we just, yeah, I think, I think you made a really good point about the heel on heel that people don't know how to connect and don't know, don't know what to do with it. Corbin got a good crowd reaction last night. I mean, it's been getting better and better. You know, it's interesting um, seeing in a live event over the weekend to see his reception. I think his confidence level and his swagger, as it were, has just rose so considerably. I mean, I remember seeing him at NXT live events when he would come out and it would be kind of tentative. But now, I mean, the crowd could just tell. I was actually brought people with me, and I'll talk about this later in the show. I purposely brought people with me to this live event who never watched WWE programming before to sort of get their take on things. And they were saying with with him, it's like you can just sort of tell he's that old-fashioned bruiser in the way he carries himself. and comes out, he doesn't need to say anything. And I think uh, it's working with Corbin. It's getting there. I think this is a huge step up for him to be in this main event at Fastlane. Um, I mean, his stock keeps rising in the WWE, and he keeps getting better opportunities. I'm just curious what their long-term plan is for him. Mm -hmm. I was kind of surprised that it was so clean. You know, you had Corbin avoiding the pop-up powerbomb hitting the end of days, and that was it. Um, Considering Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn have been in the main event picture for so long, um, I don't know. I just thought there'd be something like maybe Shane coming out to distract Owens because that is part of the storyline, right? That uh, he's not happy with Daniel Bryan showing favoritism. So he kind of does the opposite to kind of get back at him a little bit. So I was, I was a little surprised it was so clean, but you know, it was, it was what it was. So uh, this segment last night, the U S open challenge, Bobby Roode, keeping it going. Out comes Randy Orton. We think we're going to get a match. This Horton kid finally getting an opportunity. But, oh, no, Jinder Mahal says otherwise. Uh, I'm thinking this is building towards a triple threat at Fastlane for the U.S. title. But what did you think of this segment, Ashley? I was so disappointed. <laughs> I thought this had real potential to become a, a title match. And it it turned into a, a talk segment. Yeah. You know, Jerry Springer, if you want to say it, I thought it was boring. I couldn't really connect. And I thought, you know what, even if this wanted to turn into a talk segment, 
with the top 10. Maybe it had a little potential, but with Randy Orton not connecting to it and not caring, how is the audience <laughs> going to care? It, it was very little importance. Like, uh, I would have really liked to see something else. I, they Personally, yeah. I don't think they can pick up from there. Like, drop it and let's move on. Yeah, I feel like if you're going to mention the U.S. title open challenge, then actually do it first a couple weeks so that you can build it as a thing before you already start doing the, you know, the, the bait and switch. Um, and, you know, to, to do it right off the bat, I thought it was kind of weak. But th- that being said, it's clearly building to a triple threat with Orton um, and Jinder Mahal, uh, you know, I'm at Fastlane, which is what, like three weeks, four weeks? Sooner than you think, because February being a short month, it is actually two weeks. Or pardon me, so Elimination Chamber is on... A week from Sunday. Okay, so the 25th. Fastlane's the 11th, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so two weeks, two weeks after. Okay. So, yeah, so they got to start getting their matches in place. I think, you know, um, it's something. All these three guys look like they should be in the main event, and... You know, was, they're kind of lacking that something that that's keeping them in there right now. I was hoping I could connect more with Bobby Roode. Like, uh, I just, mm-hmm. I wanted this U.S. challenge to to be something. And it, I, I didn't like the way it went. But what I really did like was the RKO out of nowhere. There was so much talk about it. And then when <laughs> Randy Orton just did it, it was like, I was just waiting and waiting. And then he, he just hit it. And I was like, I wanted him to do RKO all around, <laughs> but at least he got one in. Yeah. You know, at least he got one in, but I would have loved all around. That would have been great. Yeah, they've been doing those really cool lately because the, the, the camera work has been great where you do not see it coming at all. When he did at it to all. Bobby Roode last week, or there was one recently to Nakamura. It was just really out of the blue. So those have, those have been great. Um, this this top 10 thing is so silly. Oh, um, absurd. So absurd. And you, know, you notice it's all baby faces. There's no heels on that top 10 list. Mm-hmm. And I know people are saying, well... People, you know, it's supposed to be voted on the peers. Or they wouldn't be voting for heels. But it's like, well, the heels wouldn't be voting for the baby faces then if, if that's <laughs> the logic you're using. Anyway, I, the top 10 thing makes no sense. They haven't used it at all. Um, the fact that Orton's number nine and I don't know. Well, like Kevin Owens and Sammy aren't even on it. And they're in the main event of the next page. And Baron Corbin. So three of the people in the Fatal Five the aren't event. in yeah. the top 10. They're not just in the main event. They're like 50% of SmackDown. They're the biggest storyline on SmackDown since Hell in a Cell. I mean, so much so that it's it's just it's like I said, it's, it's yeah, too it's much. Getting, it's getting they need to mix it up a little more. Yeah, um, but let me say this about the segment last night. You got Bobby Roode, who's almost with that speech, kind of was embracing the face turn in the best way possible. Um, it's still an awkward fit. You've got Randy. Actually, as you said, I don't I don't think Randy Orton has really cared in years that's just sort of the vibe he gives off make that his character they're just they're collecting a check um and then you got a talking segment with jinder mahal doing the majority of the talking um yeah this was my breaking point last night i gotta be honest like this was the point where i was just like really this is what you chose to put on tv because if it's randy and bobby that's elevating bobby a bit 
you know, it's yeah. given him the experience of working with Randy, but to put Jinder in there, that yeah. negates it. But maybe they're building to um, Bobby and Orton for WrestleMania. And so that way you don't want to yeah. do the singles match yet. You have Rude pin Jinder because, I mean, you know, Jinder was the last one standing. Who knows who you know how they'll play it out over the next few weeks, but you would think that would mean that Jinder's gonna be taking the pin in this you know, in their match. Yeah. But you know, I'll say I, I wasn't bored during this segment. I thought it was it was fine, you know, for a, a for a temporary thing for the US title, you know, the, with with who they got, it's probably the best option. I was bored. Yeah. <laughs> I was bored yeah. and it just felt like it this was more of the same it's like when you just see the same people again and again. In the same segment. Who else do you have? I mean, what was, Mo- <laughs> was Mojo at catering? I mean, um, it, Mojo would be worse. Yeah. <laughs> but Mojo, I, I'd rather hear Mojo talk than Jinder talk at this point, because at least I don't know what I'm going to get. Oh, no. With Jinder, it's it's the same promo, and I like Jinder. I think his physique is very impressive. I think he's definitely transformed himself and done some good work. But it's just uh, something about his cadence is just getting to me. I, I like that Jinder's. It seems like he's dropping the whole "everyone's against me" kind of thing. You know, so I'm I'm glad they're yeah. doing that. Yeah, I guess that's a step up, you know, as opposed <laughs> to just like random xenophobia for no reason in the year 2018 <laughs> against India. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So, uh, okay. We, we, we had those uh, mixed match challenge promos with the words popping up. <laughs> Ashley, what do you think of that? You're you're a new, not a newer fan. You've been watching for like four or five years, but do you do you like that? I didn't quite hear you. What was it? You know when they're doing the the promos now, where they'll be talking, the words are popping up on on the screen as they're talking. Yeah. Does that does it not matter? Does it annoy you? Do you, do you like it? No, it annoys me. Okay. It Good. annoys me. I I don't I don't care for it at all. We need to get some twelve year olds on this show one day and see what they think because it seems like it's geared towards kids. Because kids love to read. <laughs> Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not when I was a kid. Yeah. Not, not my daughters. Uh, actually, they do. Actually, my daughters do. I should take that back. I just, I feel like, well, look, I, I'm actually amazed that I watch the majority of my video on Facebook with no sound on and reading along with it. I just don't need that on TV. Yeah. I'm actually, you know, engaged. <laughs> um, okay. So we went from that. But it's clear. Yeah. Uh, one thing I, I wanted yeah, to mention yeah. with yeah, the Mixed yeah. Match Challenge, this was pretty much it, right? As far as in promoting it. So they've really toned uh, it down. There was maybe one or two more. I do think it was strategic that they kept Rusev off TV last night to try and boost viewers for the Mixed Match Challenge. Yeah, but, but they didn't have a Rusev, real Rusev promo, though, right? They, and he's like, you know, kind of, uh, you know, been a fad lately. So, I mean, I like a fad, but, I mean, it more. It's, it's, it's sustained, though. I mean, the Rusev Day chants <laughs> seem to be getting louder each week and more so. I mean, this wasn't like Keith Slater where for... You know, SummerSlam and two weeks after, people were chanting for Heath. I mean, Rusev, this, this yeah, seems they're... to be real. Well, let me ask you this, though. Will people be chanting for Rusev if the Rusev Day thing was gone? Like, are they chanting for Rusev Day or Rusev himself? You know what I mean? Are they chanting for this little cutesy gimmick or the man himself? And they feel like they, they connect with that person as opposed to mm. liking this gimmick. Huh. I think there's a, a difference. You're right, there is, and I think it's the the kick. I think they they like this Rusev day. Mm-hmm. You know what? My nephew, who's also he is an encyclopedia. Like WWE knows every single thing, and 
he likes Rusev, but this Rusev day, he goes like over the moon. He loves it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. and, and look, I'm, I, we've been talking on this podcast for years of how uh, they should do more with Rusev. He's really hilarious in real life. Um, so I'd like to see them do more and him get to that point as opposed to just this catchphrase getting to that point. Um, but he's always been really good in the ring. I mean, when he had his last of U.S. Course. title run, I mean, he's been fantastic. I think it's the gimmick that gets people over and gives them a reason to invest in someone. I mean, look, WWE fans, I mean, Ashley, God, you know, it's funny. Uh, you know, you self-proclaimed Paul Heyman girl. People in the WWE universe love to have things they can chant and talk along with. And yeah, I but, think if you, but that doesn't mean that they care for the person. Like Ty Dillinger, they don't, people don't care about Ty, but they like chanting 10. I think it blends. Okay, I mean, I, I don't. So. You don't think so? No, because if you took that away, uh, Ty would be just another guy, and I th- and he's talented in the ring. But he maybe does not I'm weird as a person. Well, I know I'm weird, but when I go to events and things like that, I don't chant along with anything unless I really like the person. Like I really get into it. And that's when I mark out. You know, when it used to be, you know, whether it's uh, doing Heyman's thing. Uh, I mean, even people like chant along with AJ Styles, you know, the house that AJ Styles builds. Like, you got to love AJ. You're not just doing that because you want crowd participation. Right. And know? that's where they connect with AJ and not yeah. the chant. It's, yeah. you know, and they're I'm going the with it. I, oh, really? Yes. I cheer for and do everybody's gimmick, no matter <laughs> if like them or not, because I am connecting with their with their gimmick. Hmm. So that's, that's such a good point. There are two different things that people are connecting with. And I do agree with Ty Dillinger because I think that's the same with me. I like screaming 10. (laughs) (laughs) I sit in my house and scream 10. (laughs) You know, it's odd. The rumor is that, that Ty has been kept off TV so people will stop chanting 10 because I guess Vince doesn't <laughs> like the 10 chant. So That's it. I, I think he just doesn't want people chanting it during other things, you know, when people are doing the kicks in the corner. And it seems to be working. Like, for a little bit, people were, and it's kind of stopped. So it's just kind of a silly thing. But then they still play on that gimmick by having him number 10 on that that list. Well, uh, who knows? Yeah. Oh, Vince man. Hates okay. weird things sometimes. So we're going to talk about uh, the new day versus uh, Sean Benjamin and Chad Gable. That promo last night, pancakes versus waffles, folks. SmackDown Live is getting to the bottom of things. But before that, I want to take a minute, give some love to the sponsor of this episode, and that's SeatGeek. Oh, my God. Use SeatGeek to get my WWE Sacramento Live event tickets. Sat right on the ramp. It was fantastic. I was buying tickets for two parties, trying to get us both on the ramp, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without the SeatGeek app. And, and First, I mentioned the Bon Jovi concert. I ended up getting my tickets using SeatGeek. That's awesome, man. Uh, telling you, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be so complicated and confusing. Wrestling, oh my God, you don't know where the numbers are on the ramp. And I'm telling you, SeatGeek is the better way to buy. It's the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, and it's fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like going to WWE live event, seeing your favorite team, musician, sports entertainer in person. And SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I could be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. 
So Raj said he used it for Bon Jovi, used it for Lady Gaga, used it for the Broncos before. I've used it for WWE live events, used it for Hamilton tickets, and it is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. See, they save you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find you amazing deals and to get you the most bang for your buck. SeatGeek actually grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports to concerts wrestling comedy and the theater and best of all our listeners can get twenty dollars off their first SeatGeek purchase just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code inc today that's promo code inc for twenty dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase yeah unfortunately i had used my promo code already but my this couple that's going with us i had them use SeatGeek to get their bon jovi tickets <laughs> to come with us and they were able to use the the discount so that was cool and that's like three weeks so i'm pretty pumped never seen bon jovi so yeah man <laughs> they, they they have more songs more songs than you remember you know and you know what i like actually i don't know i don't know if they have new stuff or not but you know, a lot of these older bands, when I go to see them, I wanted to hear their older stuff. And so, like, yeah. seeing, like, Def Leppard and stuff like that, it's cool because they don't have new stuff. So you just hear the classics. <laughs> Whereas we saw Madonna a few years ago, and she came out with all this new stuff. I didn't know what it was. It wasn't as cool. I, I, I agree. <laughs> uh, I love the old stuff. Yeah. You know what's funny? We were on a cruise three years ago, and we saw there was a Bon Jovi tribute band playing in one of the venues one night. And my wife and I went, and we were like, we're just going to go and watch a song and then we're going to sort of make fun of it and leave. We stayed for the entire set. <laughs> and we were like, we know all of these songs. Like, these guys are really good. And the like the singer even got the same Superman tattoo John Bon Jovi has. We were just like, we're, we're into it, man. So we feel like we've seen Bon Jovi, but Raj, uh, I think you're in for a treat there actually seeing them. Um, so last night, New Day comes out, does the New Day thing with uh, big stacks of pancakes, pancake eating, Interrupted by Gable and Benjamin saying, hey, man, you know, we're serious athletes. Is this really what it's all about? Is this really where your career is at this point? And then they toss and dig that waffles are better. Uh, but clearly this is setting up. This is the feud now that we have the Bludgeon Brothers and the Usos. Um, what did you think of the segment, Ashley? Well, first of all, I just want to let everyone know that I did order pancakes this morning. <laughs> That's how good good they looked i can get into all of the entertainment the fun and the silliness of the new day i think they are so great everything they do i mean from the bootios to the pancakes to i wear the unicorn on my head at the live shows you know um they with biggie with the bib like <laughs> I, the match I didn't, I mean, I, I didn't think, uh, I didn't think it was a, like a good, a good match, but I think the new day like saves the day, you know, it's always, it's always hilarious. It's always funny. Um, and it was just, it was great. They didn't even, they didn't need to be interrupted when they were interrupted. It was like, Really? <laughs> but I do think, you know what? I do think that they need more direction. Like they can't just keep doing this. They need a little more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, feuding over 
pancakes and waffles, <laughs> you know, it, you know, I, like I, I agree with you, Ashley, I, I do find the new day entertaining. They've been doing a lot of the same stuff for a while. I, I'd like to see instead of Chad Gable saying he doesn't like pancakes, just say, <laughs> you know, like we're tired of your stick or something, make it seem more personal, more realistic, as opposed to they're really feuding over whether uh, he's talking smack about pancakes. Yeah, or at least debate something important like cake versus pie. You know? <laughs> right. But I will say this. Um, you know, New Day, they're obviously brilliant with a lot of the stuff they come up with. Pancakes, it's kind of weird because you, really, you can't really merchandise that, you know, they're, unless they're selling pancakes at the, the merch stands. You know, whereas with Bootio, they actually not. sold the cereal. Um, you know, a lot of their others, the unicorns and everything, but... Um, I think it's the weakest of the things that they've done. I think ice cream was better. I think I think this is the weakest New Day thing. There's gone seems to have gone on the longest with no forward momentum. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did order pancakes this morning because of that. Well, there you go. Yeah, but not yeah. WWE pancakes. Yeah, the so na- National they're, Pancake they're getting, Advisory. They're not getting their percentage. Hey, we don't know. You know, with Linda McMahon's role in the Small Business Administration, Big Pancake could be secretly funneling money to the WWE to sponsor these segments. The IHOP. Yeah. And it all. Oh, man. I, I just – okay, I get that this is the feud. And they can, all these guys can go. These could actually be some really great matches. Um Keeping this going, I don't know. It's just uh, this is one that I would have kept off TV this week if I was picking this and the the triple threat segment. Be especially being back to back, I felt like this was where the show started to lag a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like that they're doing other tag team feuds that aren't involved sure. with the title picture. Whereas usually it's you know it's similar with the women where it's only like the world champion, you know, it's only the tag team champions that are involved with, in a feud, and all the other tag teams are left off. So I, I do like that they did that. Yeah. Uh, so we get to get that Ziggler promo backstage talking about he wants to be in the main event of WrestleMania. It's good. I just don't think it'll be happening. <laughs> I mean, a dream, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but who knows? Hey, look, Jinder Mahal last year proved that none of us have any clue where this is all headed. I mean, we think we do. We think we know where it's heading. But when Jinder and becomes the champ, the the rug yeah. right from under you. Yeah, uh, they love a swerve more than anything. So who knows? Um, okay, so the Usos backstage promo. I really like the effect uh, where they did the zoom out and then the Bludgeon Brothers, Rowan and Harper, smashing the camera. My question is, between the Usos uh, and the Bludgeon Brothers, actually, who do you think is going to gonna win that? I mean, they've built the Bludgeon Brothers. It seems like they're trying to do, you know, Braun Strowman times two with the way they've built them. Do you think uh, they're going to get a title run? Yes. Oh, I love them. I, I first of all, I love the Wyatt family. When I watch them, I, I'm scared. I like <laughs> peek through. But yes, I think I think they're great. Um, I would say Strowman times two. That's that's a perfect way to put it. I think they're going to get a title run. I think this is their chance, um, and they need to they need to run with it. And that was a great promo. Perfect how they did it. Um, Ashley, let me ask you this, though. I, I, I do like Harper and Rowan. I think they're very talented. But do you like the outfits and the mallets? <laughs> I do. I think it fits them. <laughs> I think, you know what? I Every, I mean, do I actually like their outfits? Like, no. I think anything, any of the outfits they've put on are just like, but I think it fits them. I really do. I think it adds to their whole 
character. It works better at a live event. I'll say that. And the people I brought uh, watched them wrestle the fashion police Saturday night in Sacramento. And uh, the guy uh, next to me said, he's like, oh, I get it. It's like the Backstreet Boys versus Slipknot. They're like, yes, this makes total sense. Um, you know, so it does translate better live. I think with the masks, with the clubs, with all of it. Um, I think that it's much cooler there. I think on TV, it just needs to be lit better and more consistently. Bright lights do not make the Bludgeon Brothers look cool. I think the mallets don't make them look cool, but that's me. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think it's, uh, but you know, I, I love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah yeah i agree with glenn i thought it was a cool thing with them smashing the monitors because you've had a couple of weeks of the usos doing that promo so it's kind of this, this similar promo but this time you had the little twist where they had teased something with the bludgeon brothers today it was a lot more direct and um i don't know i i, I don't know if they do this match already at fast lane because they're already building to it wrestlemania is a long ways away I my my guess is that WrestleMania, if they do a tag match, it'll probably be a multi-person tag match, but we'll see. Or multi-team tag match. Yeah. We'll see. So the main event last night, Sami Zayn versus Dolph Ziggler. Um, I didn't know what to expect with this. I was pleasantly delighted uh by the way it turned out. Ashley, what did you think of the match? It was my favorite match. Um you know, I, it, there was so much energy, especially like especially at the end. First, Ziggler was kicking out, you know, at the last minute. Zayn was kicking out at the last minute. I couldn't sit down. There was so much going on. I I was really surprised. I liked it a lot. I thought this match showed why Ziggler is here, how much he wants to go to WrestleMania, and that he was wanted, you know, WWE is giving him this push to show, you know, what he what he wants. Hmm. Yeah. Raj, what did you think of the match? I agree. I thought it was really good. Um, I just hope, you know, again, with Dolph, they're so on and off with him. Um, you know, like he's, they, they push him, then they take it away, and then they mm-hmm. have him, you know, way down. He leaves, comes back. They've done him leaving and coming back so many times. And the promo he did earlier about, you know, wanting to main event WrestleMania and all that. I thought he delivered it well, but he's done similar promos, you know, uh, in the past on Talking Smack and on SmackDown. So I hope, hope they sustain with him. Uh, I hope they, um, you know, don't push him far down the card. Like really, uh, really try with him this time because he's obviously talented. He could go on the mic. He can go in the ring. Uh, it's just I just think they've been doing it for so long where they've beaten him down. It's going to be a, um, it, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge to get him back back to where. You know, he could be. It's almost expected, like, for him, for them to push him aside again. Yeah, I think fans just expect it now. They they have a hard time believing these pushes. Like, you see him in the Fatal Five-Way, but everyone knows he's not going to win it, or that's what they assume. You know, when he was put in that three-way for the U.S. title, everyone assumed he was put in to to take the pin. He actually ended up winning it. Um, (laughs) And then dropping the title. Right. And 48 hours later. Yeah. For no real apparent reason. Like, well, then why do you even go in that, that match? But they didn't, they never really explained that whole thing, but oh, well, I don't know. I just, we'll see. I, I think Dolph, I feel like he needs a change of scenery or something. I don't know if it's moving to raw being put in a tag team, but something that um, kind of gets rid of the years of what they've been doing with them. Hmm. Yeah, I, I thought this match last night was great. Um, thought it was, Sammy, it was awesome. 
I mean, he really gave Sammy a great showcase to shine. They both looked fantastic. Um, yeah, and Dolph won. He's going uh, to the fatal, now Fatal Five Way at Fastlane. Um, so all in all, Ashley, what did you think of SmackDown last night, and how do you think it's been it's been doing lately? Um, I think SmackDown last night was okay. I would you know rate it maybe a a B oh. a B. B minus. I wasn't crazy about it, as we, you know, we talked about. Um, I think, all in all, SmackDown is 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 a B. Yeah. I I have not been so wowed like I wanted to. I do not think really anybody's given like such an incredible chance. You know, the land of opportunity. I have not seen more. I need to start seeing more with the women. You know? Oh, they did announce next week a six-woman tag match. Yes. (laughs) You know? And then then I think they can move up. But right now, you know, we need to see more. Just more of, like, what they promised us. Yeah. I feel like they've been coasting since the superstar shakeup last year uh, by still using well, land of opportunity, talking about, you know, how this fondness people have for SmackDown. But, yeah, you know, I, I miss the era of talking smack. I miss the era of uh, the, the rise of the Miz, of uh, AJ versus Dean, you know, of Alexa Bliss coming into her own, Becky being the champ, Naomi getting opportunities. I feel like since WrestleMania, SmackDown is really – just uh, kind of ground to this repetitive, you know, mediocrity each week. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I agree. It, it hasn't been the same since they did the brand split last year. Um, it, it definitely got hurt. Well, the um, shakeup, not the brand split. The shakeup, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it, it, it hasn't been the same. It's It's been very repetitive. You know, it's been Owen, Sammy, AJ, Shane, Daniel Bryan since last October. Um. So I, I hope they mix it up. Um, I think we're going to talk about this here in a little bit. The, the fact that it looks like they might be dropping the dual branded pay-per-views. I mean, the single branded pay-per-views. Um, now we'll see. I, I, I give the show a C in the sense that I didn't think it was bad. I was entertained. There was nothing I thought was awful or anything, but it just felt very average. It had a good match with Sammy and Dolph, but other than that, there was nothing, you know, like I said, I, from the beginning, I knew what was going to happen, just kind of waiting for it. And the problem, again, with these, when they put these matches on last, um, you know when the finish is coming. You know that if yeah. there's 10 minutes left in the show, the, it's not, the match isn't <laughs> ending. So, you know, it's like in the last three minutes. So, you, anyway. But I told you, I'm not still that fan that's like, <laughs> I know there's four minutes left, but. I still want that pin. <laughs> you know, somewhere out there, there's a nine-year-old awesome. kid, a nine-year-old kid that really believes in kayfabe, and he or she is having the realization, like, wait a second, if this show is live, isn't it a weird coincidence that the match always ends right before they have to go off the air? Yeah, they're just at the edge of their seat, hoping it ends early to see what they do in case it does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, it's... Uh, Okay, so then we had the mixed match challenge last night: Rusev and Lana versus Bailey and Elias. I was actually really surprised how they didn't give Bailey and Elias a little more time at the beginning. They had Bailey out in the ring with the guitar, also, but then before they could really do anything, Rusev came out, 
Um, Marissa and Lana clearly very over with the crowd. Lana picking up her first win in the WWE. Yeah, on the main roster. She's had some wins in NXT, but yeah, yeah on, on the, the main roster. Uh, it, was, it was fun. It's clear that they um, it's not going as well as they expected. They're not pushing it near as hard as they were at the beginning. Um, viewership was down a little bit from last week, the live viewership, but up from the, the Strowman and Alexa uh, week. So, um, yeah, it was like 70, 72,000, I think, is what it peaked at live. So, um, um yeah, not uh, not numbers to be yeah seventy two point four thousand people watching live. So that's you know those aren't numbers that I'm sure they can be crazy about. But uh, I thought it was I thought it was entertaining. Yeah, it's good. Ashley, have you been watching the Mixed Match Challenge? I haven't really. Um, skim, you know, turn it on, turn it off. I've been reading about it. I read last night, and I have to tell you, I was surprised. I wasn't happy. Really? Yeah, not even. I just, I guess I thought Bailey really deserved it. I wanted her Mm. to see. Um, I'm just not a, I'm not a Lana fan, and I'm not, I just think there are more, I don't want to say more like talented or I just, just think there's other superstars and that should be winning. Hmm? I, I just, I, I don't know. I can't connect to her. I can't connect to her, ta- uh, her character. I can't connect to like her in person. I just can't, there's no connection. Lana is an interesting character. I think that people that do like her, and and I I like her, but here's the reason why I like her, because it's clearly someone who is not from the, you know, an Eastern Soviet bloc country um, doing the accent, like really doing it like she learned it by watching Rocky IV and picked up a Russian accent. Um, well, and she, I think she, did, she did live. She did live there for a long time. Yeah, I'm aware. I'm aware. Yeah. But but the way she does the character, like yeah. the way the lines are written, come out of like the '80s Cold War. Well, she's um, supposed to be like the character from Rocky IV. Yeah, and so I like that it's such an antiquated throwback done with sort of a wink and a nod. Um, like I appreciate it from that level. Uh, and I have to say, actually, though, I think. When they brought her back and had her wrestle and they built her up, you know, with these NXT house shows, she looked like a million bucks when she came back. She looked like like a million dollars until she actually started to wrestle. Um, And then it was clear that it was like, oh, no, she is in way over her head. Um, But even though we talked about this a couple weeks ago, even those promos for Total Divas with her getting into it, like I've never watched Total Divas. That storyline makes me the most curious I've ever been to watch it, because if there's real life drama around that, I think that actually is far more interesting than anything they've portrayed with her on screen, you know, on the, on the main roster. Yeah. I like, um, I like Lana as a character. I don't necessarily like her in the ring. And, um, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I was getting at. I, I, I don't like her in the ring. I think there's a Bailey. I love in the ring. I love her character, but oh, I, yeah. she is so great. I really wanted her to win. And she, and you know, I think it, if you're looking as like they, they didn't want Rusev beating Elias, right? Cause they're really pushing Elias. I think if you're wanting to protect some of these women and Bailey is, you know, she's in the elimination chamber. I, I just, 
feel like even though I know the show doesn't really mean anything, it's just meant to be a cute show for Facebook uh, kind of as a test. But I just don't think, she, you know, when you have someone in a title match and someone that's not wrestling at all, she uh, shouldn't be getting beat. But uh, mm-hmm. oh well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, so 205 Live last night, people have noticed it has changed much some more similar to the Cruiserweight Classic than it was uh, in recent months yeah so triple h took over so vince kind of handed the reins to triple h so that's why the show's been different the last few weeks it's you know we were saying the last couple weeks how good it's been but the crowd is so dead for this show and i was just thinking you like last night's show if you put that same show on in front of an nxt crowd it would have been so hot and uh, you know i think the crowd is going to kill this thing unless they do something about it i don't know why they're not moving the taping to before the show um, I can understand, yeah, on the West Coast, then it's on really yeah. early when people get there. But fine, the weeks it's on the West Coast, do it after. But the other weeks, do it before when the crowd's hotter or do it at full sale and and do it when you do the NXT tapings at an extra day. And I think it would help a ton. Yeah. Because last night the action was really good. Um, they did like uh, the weigh-ins. They kind of brought that back where you have to weigh 205. Um so I, I thought that was cool. Buddy Murphy uh, making his main roster debut. Uh, so, yeah. Now, didn't I mean, they show uh, the wrong graphic for next week? Because isn't Wesley Blake coming and they showed Murphy? They showed that on WWE.com, yeah. Oh, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah. They, they, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's like, which one's Dash, which one's Dawson? You know, <laughs> I actually had to, like, mentally do some flashcard exercises to yeah. distinguish them from one another. And that's what I do. I do Dash is dashing because he has hair. That's how I remember it. So, Ashley, are you excited for Ronda Rousey coming to the WWE? Yeah, I'm excited. I, I guess I ha- I still am trying to get over how they brought her out in the Royal Rumble. Hmm. I wanted Oscar to have her moment. And it just feels to me that it was stepped on. Yeah. You know, she will have her time to shine. But that was not the time. Yeah. And And they haven't really followed up on it. it, I think uh, Monday night. Yeah. It felt like high and dry. Yeah, well, she's filming a movie, so I guess I don't know if it was a case where she couldn't show up on Monday night. Um, but I agree with you, Ashley. I, I think having her come after the Rumble, you know what they could have simply done is before the Women's Rumble, uh, just coming out and saying, you know, come, you know, we have signed, come into WrestleMania, and then just have Ronda Rousey come out, come to the crowd, wave, and that's it. And then you start the Women's Rumble match. You know, so you get Rousey out there. You still do the announcement. It's still a big deal. And then you do the women's rumble match. And so at the end, you know, you have Oscar's moment. You have Charlotte and Alexa in the ring. It's, you know, that's still the focus. So I think there's a way they could have done it without kind of just pushing the the rumble to the side. You know, I don't know if they just wanted like her to size, uh, like have the audience see her size up. Charlotte, size up, um, Alexa Bliss and Asuka, and then go around and size up, but then shake hands with Stephanie McMahon then, or, but it just felt like it totally 
overshadowed Asuka. And it, yeah. it, didn't, it didn't feel right as a, as, as a female, as a female fan, as the first Royal Rumble ever. You want to remember, wow, the winner, Asuka. That was that moment. And a lot of people are now remembering that uh, Ronda Rousey coming out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was that was all they talked about after. That was all WWE talked about. It, they weren't okay. sending out press releases about Asuka winning the first ever Women's Royal Rumble. It was all uh, all about Rousey. So, yeah, I agree with you. And especially she didn't need to come out there at the end because now that it seems like – because it's one thing if she was going to challenge Charlotte or um, or Alexa Bliss at WrestleMania – yeah. Um, then, then it makes sense. But the fact that she's not likely to be involved with any of those women—that it's going to be her and someone against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon—then uh, they definitely did not need to do that at all. No. But the effect we've seen is that Raw went from having maybe two women segments most weeks. Now they're really investing in that. And what I would love to see. Uh, you know, I know we've talked about this before. Justin Labar says this is not the case currently. I would love to see the WWE bring on some female writers, uh, especially to write for the women, if they're going to be doing more women's storylines, um, as opposed to giving it as the rookie assignment for uh, brand new male writers on staff. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's the case where there's no female writers, but it's definitely predominantly male. Yeah, outside of Stephanie McMahon, of course. Right. So, yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's just I – th- I wonder if it's just hard – because they bring on writers with writing experience. I wonder if it's just hard finding women who have written in Hollywood that want to write wrestling. I don't know. They want to. That's the – although you got you to gotta imagine – I mean, I don't know. You know, if – I mean, you have a, something like ne- uh, Glow, Glow on Netflix, which is, I think, something like 90% – written by women. Um, I'm sure there are enough women out there in Hollywood that want to write. I don't know that they want the travel schedule, the WWE. Well, well, no, yeah, I don't think hard. it's that. But I think it's just how women have been written for that so far. And to yeah. be, you know, if it's one thing, if you had really strong, compelling women's storylines, then I think maybe there'd be more of a demand for the, you know, fem- I don't know, uh, you know, for female writers to, to join. I just think with the way they've been written for, it's been so poor that, um, and again, you shouldn't get female writers just to write for women. You should write for everyone. Um, but um, anyway, I think they, they definitely should add more for sure. No, I think Cause, cause the way they do relationship storylines on, on in wrestling are, <laughs> are so antiquated and ridiculous that it's clear it's from guys that <laughs> haven't dated much. I don't know. That's yeah, true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, here's what was interesting. So Sacramento, Saturday night. A lot of people were grumbling. There was one woman's match out of 10 at the WWE live event. Now I did look this up. They have been doing two on the SmackDown loops. Um, They didn't this weekend. It was just a women's fatal five way. They've been doing a second match. um, I believe with Naomi versus Natalia um, and then having a riot squad versus Charlotte and uh, Becky with someone else uh, match. But yeah, it's, it does seem like it's a little, Unbalanced and going back to what we opened on, if you know they're really talking about equality and giving women the same opportunities as men, people online, you know, saying like, oh, like the rumble isn't enough for you, the elimination chamber is enough for you. I think the WWE is great at doing these big historic moments and big events. It's just the week in and week out, the live events. If you're putting out this flashing beacon saying we take women seriously and we take women's wrestling seriously, 
I heard a lot of people, not just the people I was there with, but I heard a lot of people around us in Sacramento that were disappointed, that loved the women, and were like, why did we get one match of this? But we saw, you know, Mike Kanellis and Epico versus The New Day, um, you know, or, or Ty versus Mojo, or a lot of these other matches that maybe aren't putting butts in seats. I mean, Raj, what do you think it is on the live event? Do you think that, that booking thinks that in the majority of territories that the women just aren't going to draw? I, 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 I don't know. I mean, they haven't been – I don't think they think anyone draws right now on the SmackDown oh. side. It's more the brand, <laughs> you know. That's what, That's why they don't really uh, announce cards and stuff anymore. They'll announce one yeah. match. So, or they'll announce Cena. They'll announce – yeah, exactly. Um, or Brock. Right. So – yeah. Ashley, what do you think when you go to the live events? What do you expect to see most of the time? Is Are you just sort of happy with the experience, or do you have, like, firm expectations for the type of matches you want to see, depending on which roster you're going to? Um, it's more, it's, for me, it's more about the experience. Hmm. I usually sit uh, ringside. Yeah. Ringside. Um you know, so close where I have a funny story for you. I sat, you know, front row and I can't remember who it was, but they were, they were, they fell over the barricade and it just happened to be over me. And the security guard was coming over to see if I was okay. And I was like, I'm fine. I love it. (laughs) And they were just like laughing, like, okay. Um, I, I love the whole thing. I, I look forward to all of the matches. I look forward to, you know, I hope to get the wrestler's attention. I hope to see, you know, great matches. I love, you know, with live shows, they get a little more personal. Mm-hmm. So it's everything. I love the crowd, which is really great. You know, with, with floor seats and going to a lot of the the live show, I see many of the same people. Yeah. You know, um, for Raw 25, I was sitting with people I see all the time. And then my, Monday Night Raw was in, I think, Philly the next night after Raw 25. Or uh, I didn't go, but I saw on TV – all the people I were sitting with was there and it was just like, so cool to say. Um, so it's, it's just everything. Yeah. No, the experience is great, you know, and I think that there's a certain energy there. That's fantastic at the live events. Yeah, You know what? Oscar hasn't wrestled on a live event all year. Really? From what I've been seeing. Yeah. I don't know know if it's, she wrestled. She wrestled at, I want to say, Nassau Coliseum. I guess it was 2017, or maybe it was Madison Square Garden. But someone was out, and I saw her for the first time. And she was so funny. She's so good. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a... T- uh, tag team, not a tag team. It was a, uh, I forget what it was. Nikki Bella was there too. It was a, such a good match, hmm. but I was really excited to see her. And she did have a dark match after Raw on Monday. 
Right. Yeah. She's been wrestling. Yeah. I mean, she's obviously been at TVs and stuff, but she hasn't been at a, she hasn't wrestled on a live event in a while. I, I don't know if it's just a creative thing or yeah. Cause I, they, you know, they obviously don't fly everyone out for the live events if they don't have something for them. Yeah. But, um, I just, I just thought that was kind of, that's kind of weird. Yeah. It is. Um, so Ronda Rousey will be signing her contract to the Elimination Chamber. I thought it was interesting that they're advertising the Elimination Chamber so heavily on the ads during SmackDown last night. I can't remember the last time I saw as many ads for a pay-per-view. Um, yeah, a lot of people have been asking if Rousey is really signing her contract there. Uh, I mean, she's not going <laughs> to sign really sign her contract in, in public because... Could you imagine? She's like, wait a second. What's this clause? I need <laughs> my attorney out here to Vince help. McMahon gets the rights to what? You know? <laughs> yeah. um, so Triple H did say on the conference call that they were still finalizing the deal. So I don't know exactly what that means. Clearly, they're not going to put her on TV and do this big angle if she's not definitely with them. So I don't know if she, he meant they're finalizing like what she's going to be doing um, or the number of dates, things like that. But she's you know obviously clearly in. She's going to be on Raw. Uh, SmackDown could use some uh, star power, but they they just keep uh, loading Raw up, and that's what they'll be doing. Someone's asking, Peter's asking if she she'll get booed. That's a good question. I think there's already some resentment, you know, because of what Ashley said earlier. A lot of resentment that Ronda kind of took away from uh, the Women's Royal Rumble. So I would not be surprised to see her get booed. Her mentions have been getting a, a mixed reaction at best on on TV. Yeah. We shall see. Uh, so, Ashley, thanks so much for joining us today. What would you like to plug before we take it home here and wrap up? So, um, March 24th, I'm on the Lupus Research Alliance, the Young Leaders Board, March 24th. We're having a Soul Cycle event to raise money at Soul Cycle on 19th Street. I will, you can follow my Twitter at AshleyWhite23. You'll see tweets about that. And also April 29th, the American Heart Association is having our Heart and Stroke Ball on Long Island at the Garden City Hotel. And you can also get more information on my social media. I'm also in the midst of creating a podcast. So look out. Yes, look out for information on that too. Very cool. Uh, Raj, what should people look for on the site? Oh, I, I totally forgot to mention the rest of my interview with Eric Bischoff is going to be for people who subscribe to the audio version. It's going to be on right after this. He talks about uh, Hulk Hogan. If he thinks Hulk Hogan will be back in WWE, uh, the NWO, uh, if they work with the Bullet Club, really insightful stuff on if he thinks like that would work, uh, if he thinks what would be the pros and cons of it. And he's really forthcoming about what he thinks the cons would be. So uh, check it out. And um, I think I can't remember if he answered this la- on last week with part one or if it's today. But uh, he also answers if Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, if they had never signed with uh, WCW in the 90s. How different does he think wrestling would be today? Because the NWO wouldn't have happened. And that, you know, started the, this domino effect. So uh, it's, it's true. interesting stuff. So uh, check it out. For the audio, it's coming up next. It's a WrestlingInc.com exclusive. Uh, a lot of celebrities worked with uh, WCW while you were there. Um, you know, Kevin Green, uh there was just a ton. Uh, ICP, uh, Jay Leno had the main uh, was in a main event. Um, was there a celebrity? What was the celebrity you were most impressed with, uh, with how they took to wrestling, and that you felt like probably could 
do this if, if that's what the way they wanted to go. Gosh, you know, it's really a toss-up. Uh, Malone, Rodman, and Kevin Green uh, were definitely the top three. You know, and, and Rodman probably most of all. Uh, and, and what's ironic is Dennis, I mean, Dennis, look, Dennis was Dennis. The first time we used Dennis, whatever year that was, I mean, you know, Dennis is a friend of mine. And there's, there, I, I love Dennis Rodman in a lot of ways. He is a good good human being he a lot of people don't know the real dennis rodman but you cannot find a more generous open-minded open-hearted non-judgmental guy in 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 any sport he is a really good guy he's got baggage he's got problems he's got issues uh and he's had he's had a life that none of us would ever want to spend five minutes in growing up but all that being said you know when Dennis showed up for his first day of training I'll be honest with you I wasn't quite sure he was sober that's being kind um I wasn't quite sure I could keep his attention for more than 30 minutes at a time also being kind but when we had his attention and we could get him to focus for a couple hours here and a couple hours there in the gym I mean, he took to the stuff like he's been doing, like he'd been doing it for ten years. He was so fluid, athletically. He didn't have a, you know, look. I used to teach martial arts for a long time. Grew up doing that, and you know, one of the biggest challenges as a as a martial arts instructor is having someone come in who had six, eight months, a year, eighteen months worth of training from another instructor. Because everybody does things a little bit differently. It's a little bit like trying to unteach a golf swing. You know, if you take somebody that's never never swung a golf club and you put them with a golf pro and that golf pro teaches them, you know, how to swing the club and they, they get pretty good at it. And then for whatever reason, they go to another golf pro. That golf pro is going to pick that swing apart because everybody does things just a little bit differently. And sometimes having a little bit of training behind you is actually... Uh, you have to untrain people. Um, but Dennis came in like he'd been, you know, training for six or eight or 10, 12 months. And he was so fluid and just, he understood it. Not only the physical part of it, but he understood the psychology and he didn't have an ego. When we said, look, Dennis, when this guy's in the corner and he's pounding you down, you got to sell it like he's killing you. A lot of guys don't want to do that. Look, like, wait a minute. If that guy really hit me, I wouldn't react that way. I mean, they, they interject their real lives into it or their real personalities into it, and you got to kind of overcome that that challenge. Dennis didn't have that issue. Neither did Carl Malone, by the way. Yeah. And both of them incredibly gifted. Now, Kevin Green, I liked because he had that raw passion. I mean, he obviously had all the physical skills. He was an NFL Pro Bowl linebacker for crying out loud. I mean, played the Super Bowl. I mean, he was he was that good. But he also had the look, and he had the demeanor. But more than all of that, he had this just raw, real passion for it. He wasn't doing it for the check. He wasn't doing it because, you know, 
He wanted his wife or his girlfriend or his brothers and sisters or his parents or whatever, you know, see him in the ring with Hulk Hogan. He wasn't doing it for any of those reasons. He was doing it because he really, really loved it. And when you take, you know, the, the notoriety of, of a Kevin Green at that time, you know, in the NFL, mm-hmm. you take um, the storyline that we had him in, put him in there with Ric Flair, there's a four horseman thing going on. But more importantly, you've got that real, genuine, raw passion for it. That was awesome. Yeah. And, and you were mentioning Rodman. I remember, I, I remember clearly there was this match he had with Randy Savage at one of those Hog Wild pay-per-views, and, and Savage threw him into an outhouse. So it's like, man, a lot of, a lot of celebs probably wouldn't do that. Um, I, I, to this day, I'm, I'm still friends with Dennis, and I, I think the world of him, and that's one of the reasons why. Because when he showed up, man, he just – he just wanted to make it as good as it could be, and he trusted the people around him. Yeah. He didn't second-guess himself. He had no ego. wasn't about putting himself over. None of that stuff. Man, he just wanted to be a part of the team and put on a great show and have fun. And, man, did we have fun. <laughs> <laughs> and now, um, a couple of things I've always wanted to ask you. Uh, one was um, you you were never hot with WCW bringing Thunder on, and – and Nitro moving to three hours, and and when when that when that happened, the the week before you had the you were going to have the match with Larry Zabisco uh, over control of of Nitro, and it seemed like you kind of did a test run where the NWO took over. Uh, if if you had proceeded with uh, the NWO taking over Nitro, was it were you going to have like a babyface announcer and and a heel announcer? Um, was it going to be NWO against NWO? Like, what was kind of the, the working plan for that? Well, it, it was going to be, you know, Monday Night Show was going to be the NWO brand, and um, Thunder was going to be the WCW brand. Mm-hmm. And you would have heels and baby faces, you know, in both brands, just like you do on Raw and SmackDown. We would have had a babyface leaning play-by-play announcer, uh, or at the very least, neutral, along with a, a probably decidedly uh, right of center heel um, color guy, um, much like we you you would anyway, mm-hmm. whether it was WCW, NWO, or anything else, because you need contrast. You need contrasted stories. You need contrasted characters. You need contrasted play by play and color. So we would have had all of the antagonist protagonist kind of you know chemistry and formulas, you know, on both of those brands um, that you would probably see anyway. Um, but that was the plan originally when we got saddled, and I say saddled, and that's putting it lightly. Um, <laughs> when we got saddled with doing Thunder, um, I knew that there was no way we could just repeat what we did on Monday nights and, and, and extend it. We had to come up with something decidedly different in order to, to, to survive and to make it work. Mm-hmm. Were, were you disappointed uh, that you weren't able to do the separate NWO and WCW shows? Uh, well, of course. Um, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there, was, there was kind of a confluence of bad shit that all kind of went down at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, there was... Hey Eric, by the way, you know we want you to do three hours in you know Nitro, and oh, by the way, we want you to do another two hours, you know, live on TBS every Thursday night, you know, which 
One of the reasons why, you know, it's important, you know, context is king when you're having these kind of discussions. You know, I wasn't excited about doing Thunder, and I wasn't excited about expanding Nitro to three hours. And for the same reasons, you know, expanding Nitro means, you know, that I had to expose more talent. I had to run the risk of diluting the power of the brand. You know, Nitro prior to that in, the, in 97 and 98, before people started screwing with it, um, the format and the approach was exceedingly successful. It was high energy. It was fast-paced. We were able to maintain the, the um, illusion or the perception that anything can happen at any given moment. You know, all of those things and more are the reasons why Nitro was successful. When executives started telling me how to produce that format, first of all, by standing at the three hours, without any real understanding of the adverse impact that that was going to have on the audience mm -hmm. or our talent roster or a lot of other things, you know, that, that was, I was against that, but I didn't really get the vote. <laughs> uh, and and I, I just had to do what I was told to do. When Thunder came along, that that challenge, that problem became, you know, exacerbated tenfold. Now I had to produce an entirely different show. And we were already operating at 110% with Nitro. Right. I mean, from, from a talent point of view, even though we had a good talent roster, you know, everybody talks about how deep it was. It certainly isn't nearly as deep as the WWE's is now. Given the same the same amount of content you produce, by the way, I had three hours. They have two. I had three on Monday. They have two on Tuesday. I had three on Monday and two on Thursday. Yeah. So yeah, I had a really deep talent roster, but it, you know, it. I, when I had before Thunder, my roster wasn't deep enough to do an additional two-hour show. Not without just basically repeating in one way, shape, or form something that we've already seen on Monday. And that would have been, you know, the kiss of death. Mm -hmm. So to, to be forced to expand the roster, which is one of the reasons I brought in Bret Hart, quite frankly, um, and, and, and to expand the workload on our production staff and our infrastructure was an amazing challenge. And while we did what we were told and were positioned to do just that, the AOL Time Warner merger came along and... I had my budget cut right out from underneath me, even though the budget had been previously approved to accomplish all the things that I had been asked to do by Ted Turner, no less. Um, after being told to do those things, after having a budget in place that, that, I, that was required to accomplish those things and having that budget approved by the finance committee, I then had that budget cut almost in half. After we had already started to build that second hour, or we after we actually after we built that second hour, that's when the wheels really started falling off WCW, and a lot of it had to do with that Thursday night show. It was the kiss of death. Yeah, um, yeah. You mentioned I, I, I think you you've mentioned before. I think it was with JBL um, that you kind of got burnt out during that period, right? And that's kind of why um, you kind of took a step back, and that was when Russo. Uh, came in um do you think uh 
do you do you see anything that could have happened differently during that time that could have uh, prevented that? Because I know you, uh, a lot of people think that was a mistake uh, with them bringing Russo in. Well, again, context is king, and you have to understand all of you know all of the moving pieces that were taking place at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't getting burned out from the workload of producing and writing or being a character or traveling or any of the things that would be obvious to someone you know reading this or hearing about it. What I got burnt out from was the politics that were taking place within Turner as a result of the AOL Time Warner merger. The politics is what burned me out. Having people that knew nothing about the business I was in yet telling me how to operate that business was burning me out. And quite honestly, you know, in the summer, you know, starting in 98, really, starting in the August, starting in August of 98, is when, when it all first started happening, and it happened slowly. It didn't all happen at once. It started out kind of slowly and almost innocuously, and then throughout, you know, the latter part of 98, certainly going into 99, and by the middle of 99, by June or July, I was at with that. Not with trying to come up with wrestling ideas or coming up with great wrestling stories or characters, although it was a challenge because of the amount of time I was spending fighting internal battles, you know, politically, but I saw the writing on the wall. And to answer your question, no, nothing would, have, nothing could have possibly been done differently by anybody in WCW, quite frankly, yeah. to change the outcome. Because quite honestly, and you know, look, this is no secret, and it's not just me saying it. You know, nobody within Turner Broadcasting, other than Ted Turner, wanted WCW from the day Ted Turner bought it. You know, and it's important that readers really understand the history. In, in, in order to appreciate the context that, that I'm talking about in the time period, you have to understand a little bit about history. When Ted Turner bought you know, the NWA out of bankruptcy and created WCW, Ted Turner was the only one within Turner Broadcasting that wanted that to happen. But they didn't get the vote. Ted, Ted was Ted. Mm-hmm. And WCW became an enterprise. WCW was a miserable effing failure from the date Ted Turner brought it in until 1995 when I was the first person ever to turn that company into a profit center. Mm -hmm. Up until that moment in time, every senior executive in Turner Broadcasting spent every opportunity they had trying to convince Ted Turner to pull the plug on WCW. And people like Bill Watts, you know, created multiple opportunities to justify that. It was a money pit. It was getting bad. It was getting horrible public relations, getting horrible headlines. It was on the verge of collapse from day one until 1995. But even then, when WCW was a profit center, there were people in Turner, very high-level executives, that didn't want WCW as a part of their programming slate. Because wrestling, number one, some of it was legitimate. It wasn't just because they didn't like wrestling. It doesn't matter. What mattered is wrestling was very difficult to sell. It still is to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the biggest challenges that wrestling has is advertisers are very, very uncomfortable with it. Despite the kind of ratings that it made, you know, when WCW was getting, you know, fours or fives or sixes or whatever the hell it was at that time, we were the highest rated show on TNT, probably still am, or still is the highest rated 
original series in the history of TNT. Yeah. Um, despite all of that, advertisers were very reluctant to spend money there. And smart people who were running that network were looking at it and go, wait, it's great. It's getting phenomenal ratings, but we're not making any money. And as a result of that fact, in that, in that context, there were senior people, Joe Yuva probably being one of them, out of the ad sales in New York, Scott Dassa, Brad Siegel, Vicki Miller, you know, any number of people that had a lot of influence in terms of broadcasting were trying to pull the plug on WCW. They didn't want it. Yeah. So Because that, that real estate... You know, that two hours or three hours on, you know, the flagship network with internal broadcasting, they would have much rather have seen a drama or a movie of the week or a sitcom or an original production of TNT. Because, you know, that's what everybody likes to do, right? They want to produce their own things. Um, they couldn't do that as long as I ate up three hours of their Monday Night Real Estate in prime time. <laughs> that's so crazy to me. I remember one time when you guys... Um... You, you, the Robin Hood was premiering after Nitro, and you guys kept a Hogan versus the Giant match uh, going through the commercial breaks during that Robin Hood, and that that show did phenomenal ratings. It just felt like there was such an opportunity there for them to use Nitro more to help push, uh, you know, more of their shows, and and where it ended up, man, it's just uh, it's, it's sad as a wrestling fan. <laughs> well, you know, and you got to be fair again and put things in a proper context. Yeah. You can get, you know, we could get away with that here and there as a promotion. Yeah. You know, it was a stunt. You go over a little bit. You know, you you can do things creatively so that you bring the audience from one show immediately into another. There are a lot of things you know that you can do as a stunt to to accomplish that. But the challenge is, you can only do that, you know, so often mm-hmm. before the audience kind of catches on. And that product that you're, you're promoting, you know, that stunt that you're creating to get the audience to watch the show that's coming up next, you know, if that show doesn't stand on its own, those stunts are only going to work once or twice and then they're done. Right. So it, it is an opportunity. And that was one of the reasons why, you know, when, when you know, Brett Siegel, in, in some respects, you know, did support, at least for a period of time, because he had no choice, quite frankly, um, did support natural and was looking for every way he could to use you know that audience and leverage that audience to to launch or you know help other shows succeed and that's always been the challenge you know the wrestling audience is a very unique audience yeah. and it's hard it's hard to follow a wrestling show you get a hot wrestling show it's kind of hard to follow it that audience isn't going to stick around right they tune in for it which is great but the minute it's over they tune out pretty quickly yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I, and, th- and thanks for taking the time. And I, I have a few more questions. I, I, I appreciate you taking the time today. Um, first off, uh, with Hulk, I, I know a lot of people were hoping that he was going to be on Raw 25, that him and WWE would, you know, work their things out. Um, they had issued a release beforehand that it wasn't happening. Um, have you kept in touch with them? And um, do you see that changing? I stay in touch with him almost every week. Mm-hmm. Um, he's my best friend. So, yeah. and in addition, we have, we have some business together. So, yeah, I talk to him on a regular basis, sometimes two or three times a week, and, and have probably for the last twenty years. Um, do I see it changing? Yeah, I, I do. I don't know when. I don't know how. 
I don't have any inside information. Uh, when he and I talk, we don't talk about that. Um, but my gut tells me that, you know, as the saying goes, you know, time heals all wounds. And Hulk will always be, you know, a part of sports entertainment slash professional wrestling history. And there's nothing that's going to change that. And his relationship with the WWE, whether it's official or unofficial, is something that can't really be erased. So I think when time heals the wounds, <laughs> I, I think it's inevitable that they'll, they'll come back together again. But, you know, look, there's, there's strong feelings on both sides of that equation. Yeah. Uh, what about, you know, he had teased some stuff with New Japan with the Bullet Club. Um, I'm sure he was just having fun. But given that you and him uh, did take TNA to their highest ratings and, and, and their best, uh, you know, the best viewership and everything, you think that's something that could possibly happen, him doing, doing something with New Japan? Because that does seem like that would be something that could uh, start getting a lot more mainstream interest in that product as opposed to um, a lot of the hardcores right now. Okay, I have to give that some thought. Um, let's let's just kind of you know play creative committee right now. <laughs> you know, on if, if we looked at the positives, you know, if if Hulk Hogan myself, you know, if I threw myself into that mix, mm-hmm. uh, or even Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, you know, if the four of us stepped in as you know the guys who kind of me being the guy that created the NWO, Hulk, Scott, and Kevin is, you know, the personification of it. You know, if we all came in and kind of as the the grandfathers, if you will, came in and helped support it and endorse it and draw that immediate parallel between the Bullet Club and the NWO, which, by the way, that's not what got started. Mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of, you know, became hot as a result of them mimicking or copying or emulating however, or, or paying respects, however you want to say it, <laughs> yeah. to, to the NWO. That's how it started, which is cool. But if, if we were to kind of recreate at least the components of the NWO with Scott, Kevin, Hulk, myself, and endorse it, <clears throat> um, it, it could have two effects. On one hand, it could certainly bring a lot of notoriety, a lot of eyeballs, a lot of press. Uh, a lot of credibility, a lot, a lot, a lot of good things could happen as a result of that. But on the flip side, <laughs> a lot of bad things could happen too. You know, one of the reasons that the, the Bullet Club is what it is is because while it may be kind of a wink and a nod to the NWO, uh, it's it's also young, fresh guys of a new generation, and there may be a portion of that audience, and it's hard to know just thinking about it out loud whether that's a large portion or a small portion, that would go, eh, we don't want to see that. You know, so it, it all depends how it's done. I think it would have to be done very carefully. You couldn't, you know, the NWO just couldn't come in and Bigfoot it. It would have to, we would be, the NWO would have to pay as much respect to the Bullet Club and who they are and what they've become as the Bullet Club would have to pay the NWO. Because the Bullet Club are the guys that are in the ring doing the work and 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 making the action happen. So it would have to be the art within the art of, of utilizing the success of the NWO with the people in it and <clears throat> using it to build the, the, 
the Bullet Club as to perhaps diminishing it. Yeah, I definitely think there's a, there's some fascinating possibilities there. But uh, but yeah, we'll have to stay tuned. Um, you had also you you started the IRW Network uh, website uh, a, a while back. Um, now, was the idea is the idea to kind of because um, I know independent companies started losing a lot of revenue uh, on YouTube. Was it to get another way for independent companies to um, monetize, or or what was the idea behind it? Well, we actually started. I started the the IOW network long before YouTube uh, disallowed monetization of wrestling content on YouTube. Okay. I started the IOW network probably two and a half years ago, way long before you know YouTube changed its policy. Um, it started, you know, started out as being kind of a side. I don't want to say a hobby project because I was serious about it, but it, on my list of things to do each day, it was down towards the bottom, and I never really. I didn't spend a lot of time on it until probably the last year and a half. And the idea behind the IRW Network really was and is to create a multi, oh, what's the best way to phrase this? A multi-format platform for content creators and fans to see the best of the best of independent wrestling content in one location. Think of it like this. If, if the IRW is the Mall of America, mm-hmm. each individual wrestling, independent wrestling promotion, whether it's Russell Circus or House of Hardcore or you know, any of the really successful ones, would have their own store within the IR network. And fans could come to the IRW network. They could park for free. They could go in. They could look around. And they could pick and choose which content they wanted to buy whether that be streaming video, whether it's a podcast, whether it's editorials, whatever that content is that they wanted, they could pick it and choose it a la carte. But rather than searching YouTube and Twitch and all of the other you know platforms that are out there, we would have all of the best of the best content under one roof, so to speak, and that is the IRW Network. Great. And uh, so you, you said there might be something coming up soon with that? Yeah, we've had to retool. You know, one of the challenging things about launching something like this is the technology <laughs> that's out there uh, evolves very, very quickly. And what was, what, you know, the, the current, you know, kind of digital solution, you know, back in June is outdated by October. <laughs> and in order to be competitive and to do it right and to do it economically, you've got to use, you know, the cutting edge, you know, opportunities when it comes to digital technology. So we've we've kind of gone back a little bit. We're about 75% done, maybe 80% complete now. And because we had to go back and ask ourselves, look, is this the best product? Is this the best site we can put out there given the availability of the technology that's that's available today? And the answer was no. So we went back and we said, okay, let's change this, let's change this, let's change this. So we're in the middle of changing those things that we feel we can, we can do much better. And I also wanted to ask you, uh, we we're talking about Ted Turner and everything. Is he someone you've kept in touch with at all after WCW folded or was sold? I did, I, I did for a while after uh, WCW folded, a couple of years. 
And when I say, you know, I did, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, we chatted on the phone twice a week or anything like that. But I was able to stay in, in touch with him um, a little bit. And he actually did me a really huge favor a couple of years after all that went down. I was putting together a deal uh, for Fox Television with Jeff Gordon. And I went in to pitch the idea to Jeff Gordon initially when it first started. And I sat down with Jeff's dad, uh, his stepfather. I sat down with Jeff's dad, who was handling all of Jeff Gordon's business back then. And I'm laying this all out there, and I'm giving him all the ideas I had and you know, walking him through the PowerPoint. And his dad looked at me and said, well, how do I know you're who you say you are? Which I didn't know how to respond to that, because Jeff Gordon's dad wasn't a wrestling fan. So I said, gee, well, you know, I, I guess I can pull up some stuff on the Internet <laughs> and prove it. He goes, no, nah, I want you to have Ted Turner call me. So, well, okay, that's kind of a big ask. I mean, I know you're Jeff Gordon's dad and all, but Ted Turner is kind of Ted Turner, and you know, I don't have that great of a relationship with Ted. So I got my car, and I thought about it, and I thought, well, what the hell? It doesn't hurt to ask. So I reached out to Ted and let him know what my situation was, and uh while Ted didn't get on the phone, he did send a very, very nice email over to Jeff Gordon's dad, which helped me close that deal. So um, that was probably one of the last times, other than thanking Ted for that, that I've been in touch with him. Um, he doesn't, you know, Ted's kind of out of the limelight now. Mm -hmm. He's putting all of his time and energy into his, you know, uh, charitable uh, endeavors. And, you know, he's getting older. He's just loving life, you know, up in Montana, down in New Mexico. So, For all the latest news and interviews, WrestlingInc.com is the only website you need.